everyone. Welcome to Chat with Sandy and Karen. This is the final episode of season two, and we have my wonderful co-host. I'm Sandy. Hi. Who <laughs> 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 you I thought she was introducing me too then, so I was going, am I a co-host? Oh my gosh, I don't need the responsibility. Stop me. Sorry, sorry, like I said, you know, I am uh, not professional, but uh, we are Nikki Foote, thank you and welcome to the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I am so excited to chat. This is just like, I was really excited, I was thinking about it earlier. Did I feel nervous? No, I didn't, because I'm just so excited about chatting to you guys and just catching up after such a long time. Yes, yes, good. So how long has it been? Uh, I would say probably for four or five years. It was definitely pre-COVID. If there was a time before COVID, I think it was then. The time before COVID. Mm. We saw each other. Google, Innovator, Cohort, that's the last time we saw each other in person. We had a little bit of a chit-chat after that. But really... Yeah. Yeah, we vanished into our little spaces. Mm. Yes. I still remember the dreams of Fika, though, in Sweden. <laughs> Fika is the best thing that ever happened yes. to me. Yes. Fika time. That's right. I think it's um, the best Swedish invention, too. Yeah, it, everyone needs to know about Fikas. Who, if, um, to, if anyone's watching me or us, um, <laughs> if you don't know about Fika, Fika is a... I think it's just like snack time, basically. Is that right? Yes, coffee. Well, coffee and a biscuit, or coffee, or or to just time to candy. Yeah, yeah, the break from work. Break. Yeah. So speaker yeah. time happens regularly, daily, between everything, and it's absolutely brilliant. And they, when we were at the Google, we were very lucky because we went to the Google um, headquarters in um, Stockholm. Yes. And they had the best Fika snacks I have ever had. <laughs> but didn't they have one of the best offices as well? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was amazing. There was like little nooks and crannies and plants everywhere and everything was glass. Um, it was just lovely. Actually, yeah. to be honest, I didn't really care for the, um, the spaces. It was really the food that got me. And they had <laughs> the most amazing, like, cafeteria, didn't yeah. they? Yes. like the yes. cafeteria you go uh, in there and it's like going like you queue up and the food is like restaurant style right right so With many choices yeah yeah oh. and it was always but, available always available yeah. and free yeah yeah that's right and you can't beat that at all you can't beat that and everything came with a sauce <laughs> i remember and i'm i'm english and we like our food with sauces <laughs> I'm so glad Absolutely. Everyone I normally in. say sloppy food, which is also accurate. English people do like sloppy food. That is so <laughs> against so against what so proper and and uh, my perception of English people is that very proper, very tidy, very but you're you're saying you're breaking all my rules. Only in food. No, we still are. Yeah, we're, we're very proper. Just in food, we like with our gravy. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Gravy. Any type of gravy, put it on the top. Nice. Nice. Okay, I'll remember that. 
We're also <laughs> going to go to um, the in, uh, to the UK this summer for a little bit. We may uh, stop off in Southampton and then go get on a boat and cruise up north. So where our plan is to go on a cruise and leave Southampton. So we have to get there first. That's where well, the Titanic we, left from. I know. It's so, now, it's so historic. Southampton, there is a little museum of the a Titanic museum in I don't know if it's still there so I went to university in Southampton and there's a little museum there um about oh. the Titanic right next to where the docks are on the docks wow. and it's really lovely yes very uh, moving it, it, and then it just I love to imagine just I just love to be in places where I can imagine what's what it was like so me too yes. thank you cool 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 Alrighty, so um, we talked a little. We're talking a little bit about travel, and uh, so Nikki talked to us about travel and education. And you, you've taught in a lot of different places, right? I have. I've been really lucky. Um, so I moved abroad in two thousand and seven, um, oh. and my kid. I had a baby who was three weeks old, oh. and. A 17-month-old toddler, uh, Sam, who's now nearly 17. Um, and so Molly was literally just three weeks old. And we had, a, my ex-husband, he had a job in the Caribbean, in a tiny island called Tortola in the Caribbean, in the British Virgin mm. Islands. And we decided to sack everything in England. And we were living in Bristol at the time. And we go off on this little adventure. And we ended up being there for six years. Um, so I had three kids when we left. We were there for six years and the community was so amazing. And it had mm. one tiny international school of about 150 kids. Um, and I did <laughs> learning support work there. I set up a, prime, uh, a preschool with a friend of mine because the cohort of three-year-olds that were going into the international school in the pre-K pre class, they didn't have enough to fill a class that year. And so they closed it down. And so my daughter was the class that they closed down. And I was like, well, that can't happen. Right, <laughs> let's get together. So a friend of mine was a teacher and I was a teacher. We're like, right, let's make our own pre-K class. So we did. And we had oh. 15 kids in the class by the end of it. And it was great. And that's still running now, which I love. Um, nice. So, yeah, I stayed in the British Virgin Islands for six years. And then we moved to Singapore over to Asia, which was just so different. My kids have been running around on the beach with no shoes on for you know the whole of their life and we had to go to Singapore and if anyone's been to Singapore you know that it is the most regulated place um full of rules um and it's it's just so busy my kids hadn't been on a bus before uh we didn't have transport local transport didn't exist in the BVI so we were just, it was a massive culture shock. So, and also I'd been at home most of the time. I'd done a lot of time at home with the kids and we moved to Singapore and it was so expensive. I had to get chucked back into work and I went back to work full time. <laughs> and, um, and the kids all went to school at a local international school there. And, um, and that was it. That was the start of my really, really full-time international education kind of adventure. So we were there for six years and then I moved to, Beijing and I was so lucky to have I think just before COVID hit I went to move to a school called the Western Academy of Beijing now if anyone wants to find the most amazing school in the planet go there it has 
the most amazing community of educators who just accept anyone for who they are and what they are. And everyone, I always describe the WAP, we're wabbies. Anyone who's been there is a wabby. And it's literally like a cult of weird people. <laughs> and it's just, just so inclusive. All the kids are just, it's one of those places I tell uh, that is when all the kids are on holiday and they send a photo during the holiday back to school to sh a little video or a photo or something. And we watch it in the first week back in the assembly of all the places we've been. The majority of the children are still wearing their school uniform on the beach. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. These kids, they're just so wonderful. And they're like, quirky and the teachers are all quirky and everyone's got a wonky walk and a bit of a kick <laughs> and they're just it's just a brilliant community to be part of I was very very lucky to have that experience oh out of the three countries or four countries no now. and then actually I missed out I went to Bangkok but really because Bangkok happened right in the middle of COVID 2020 so beginning actually I went there and I had gone to a school in Bangkok that was brand new and if anyone's been to a school um, that's brand new you will know how exhausting it is <laughs> you turn up at a school that's brand new and there's it's like there's nothing ready so <laughs> it was so tiring but it was a great community but it was during COVID um, mm. we couldn't get we were in lockdown most of the time we couldn't get on campus everything mm. was online I was teaching uh, three and four year olds, which is the lowest I've ever gone. So normally I would teach sort of grade three and kindergarten is my big space really. And I have taught three and four year olds, but not since my own daughter was three and she's 15 now. So we went <laughs> this experience in Bangkok and I thought I was, I really thought that I would um, be terrified of it firstly, and also not really feel like I was thriving because I just love kindergarten that's my space um but oh my goodness I absolutely loved it <laughs> like yeah there's nothing more joyful than spending time all day with three and four year olds first of all I'm, I have to say this they have a nap which is brilliant um <laughs> and second of all schoolers need a nap <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone <laughs> needs a nap. I need a nap. Yeah, I think Mr. the world rules should be fika time, nap time. Naps. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I was just so grateful for this experience yeah. in Bangkok because three and four-year-olds are just so joyful. And I was living in, Singa in Bangkok by myself. I didn't have my family with me. They were stuck in Singapore. Mm. None of us could see each other. Um, and I had these kids that were just so joyful. I had so many cuddles every day. Mm. Um, so it was just really nice, that side of it, but just really difficult. So at the end of that, after 14 years of being away, I came home. Um, and my mum has never been so grateful and frightened in her life. <laughs> <laughs> All at the same time. All at yeah. the same time. Yeah, well, not only I bought... So we moved abroad when we didn't have kids or had tiny kids and we've come home and like we've got teenagers. Oh yeah. So she loves it though because some people are really good at just filling the fridge with food and providing for people. And yeah. that is what my mum is really good at. 
filling the fridge with food. I think that is a real British thing because if you come to my house now, my fridge is full. My cupboards are full. Yeah, mine too. It, my mum has four freezers and literally if there was a zombie apocalypse, we would be fine, people. <laughs> well, good. Well, I know where I'm going if there is one. Oh, you can come here. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so the question was then, uh, then which of those four countries would Did I you... love the most? So yeah. many different. Yeah, so many, so different. If which you... one would I go move back to? Well, if there was a zombie apocalypse happening and you're like, okay, you know what? I know where I'm going. All right. <laughs> I, have an I have an apocalypse plan. I don't know if you two do, but I mean, like, for me, it's quite important. Um, when I got together with my boyfriend, I wouldn't confirm the deal until I knew what his apocalypse plan was. Because it <laughs> was... Included you? It has to include me, and I need to know that it's sensible because otherwise there's no point in being with him because he wouldn't. He'd just be a hindrance in, in if it was if there was apocalypse. Come on, I can't. He's dead wood. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I basically, uh, I would say, don't go to China if there's a zombie apocalypse. That's for sure. I mean, we all saw um, World War Z. That didn't end well. No. <laughs> Uh, I would go to Tortola, but you'd have to be there already. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a tiny island. There. Yeah, and it's really hilly, but nothing grows there, so it's really tricky. And yeah. do zombies I swim? Don't. Do zombies I swim? I don't know. It depends okay. which movie you watch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> or which book you've read. <laughs> yeah, my actual plan is to go to Scotland. Mm. <laughs> Where about? Tell everyone this. I don't know. I've never been to Scotland before. <laughs> it's oh. got to be good. <laughs> but I reckon no one wants to go there. <laughs> I don't know because I'm thinking if I, I want to move back, I'd rather go to Scotland. Oh, really? It's like yeah. your place. Of, it's very cold there. There is a job actually available in the Outer Hebrides on an island that has four students. It's going at the moment. I read it. I read about it. Four it looks so good. I actually thought for a very small second, I was like, oh, that sounds quite good. If you take mm. your kids there, that will make the numbers go higher. Yeah. They yeah. wouldn't know what to do with three extra kids. No. I would probably, yeah. I know that would <laughs> be brilliant. And that's where they film Outlander. It's got to be good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am, um, yeah, there's, I mean, have you ever seen, yeah, Outlander is probably, uh, my mum's a big fan of the books, but Outlander oh. is, I mean, that's a good show. And it drifted yes, it off, I think, on season three for me, so I haven't seen it since season three, yeah. but the first season was hot. Yes, it was a fabulous, fabulous show. No, it wasn't very cold, it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. Not, there was, no one was cold in the, in the kilts <laughs> on Outlander. <laughs> Not for very long, at least. Not no. for very long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think goodness. actually, in, so going back to what you were saying, I think the communities are all so different. And if you look at the Western Academy of Beijing, I literally would, Molly, my daughter, is gutted that she never went to go there. Uh, and my kids are just, it's such a wonderful community. I would, I would love to go back. I am firmly rooted in the UK now, and I really believe this is where I need to be. But if I could have stayed there longer, I think it would have been magical. Um, yeah. So for me, that's my favourite place. And China, 
was so interesting because I went there and I was terrified, absolutely mm-hmm. terrified of being on my own post-divorce. Okay, so I was 40. Post, I was just divorced, literally nailing life, obviously. You, you hit 40 and you get divorced. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, suddenly single. The last time I'd gone on a date, like, the, an iPhone didn't exist. <laughs> there was no wait, swiping wait, wait. left and right. There was no swiping left and right. You were, I don't <laughs> know. I don't, there was no Google. There was no Facebook. I mean, do you remember we used to have the Nokia? You yes. didn't even you didn't even need it for dating. You didn't even have know how to do an emoji. They weren't invented yet. No. So I turned up in China, like an, I mean, honestly, and um, the people there are just amazing. The China, I mean, it's I didn't even know how to cross a road in China, and that's not because I'm an idiot. That's because it's really difficult. So mm-hmm. I used to. So whatever mm-hmm. this trick. It's just everyone goes in different directions. If you Google like road crossing in China or something, you will find these amazing videos of bikes, cyclists, so motorbikes, cyclists, mopeds, people all going in different directions and then cars at the same time. And I used to have to. So my trick was you hide behind a local person (laughs) and you you're like it's like you're stalking them and you like literally almost can touch them or rest your shoulder your your, uh chin on their shoulder and then as they cross you're like and then you just run for it with them (laughs) well and the bicycles they'll have lumber and they'll have two or three people on the bicycle with them yes everything Panes of glass okay so i once saw um driving down the street was a lovely old guy with a um i would say he had a moped on the front and then he had a massive trailer um and in the trailer was stuff and then in the back <laughs> going backwards tied to the trailer with a piece of rope was his wife in a wheelchair oh no and tied to the side of the trailer was six dogs oh my god <laughs> in the main road yeah 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 wow. it's honestly you just don't see this stuff anywhere else that's the most no. amazing place i've ever lived i loved it i love also the fact that um a lot of people in china and i in singapore as well wear matching outfits and my aim in life is really to wear matching outfits with my boyfriend and partner. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Can't wait that... to see the pictures. Yes, please share them. I will That's... share them. I will share them. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. So, Nikki, tell us about, okay, so you've told us that you got divorced. You settled in the UK. Tell us the process about how you've now, you know, uh, integrated in within the community you started your own business tell us something about that oh yeah I think what happened is that I've come back to the UK and it's just a period of transition or pivoting really which is what I think we've all had to do over the last three years since COVID hit us in 2020 I think pivot and transition has been really what all of us have had to do and it's absolutely uncomfortable um And I'm really good at pivoting and I'm really good at transitioning. I've had to do it professionally um, and personally 
a lot. Moving around into settling into different countries is really difficult. Coming home was actually really easy. Um, and they say that there is re-entering your own culture is really hard because if you've been away for so long, you're actually so changed in the way you think um, and the way you express yourselves and, and how you've been over the last and the, the experiences that you've had for this last sort of however many years. Coming home means that you don't have that, uh, that security of having a group of friends, especially in England where people kind of stay in the same place for a long time. There's not a lot of transition. You know, you stay in your community where you grew up and went to school. And that is true here. I have had that where it's very difficult to meet people and make friends here. But professionally, uh, moving away from that security of knowing what you do every day, being at that stage in your career after 22 years of teaching, uh, you, I think I get so much joy and so much part of me. If you cut me in half, you'd see I'm like inside the roots of me is all about children and it's all about um, inquiry process and play-based learning and you know technology and authentic learning experiences and this is who I've been and it, it's me it's what I talk about it's what I promote it's it's all what I design I'm a learning designer um, and I've had wonderful experiences professionally and then I've come back to England and I got um, I struggled a little bit uh, actually a lot um, in working out First of all, who am I? What do I do that's good? Um, and I've worked for a couple of companies since leaving um, Bangkok and coming back to the UK, all online, um, because everyone's transitioned to online. So I did some great work, so amazing experience working with Edpuzzle. Um, brilliant teams. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I was so uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. Um, because all of it was really new. I'm not, I'm used to, like you, being face-to-face -face with our students every day, having people around me to collaborate. I think the two C's for me, communication and collaboration, are really my strengths. And it's really difficult to collaborate online. Um, and in fact, what happened was when I was working in, um, when I was working in Edpuzzle, I had to be a silo. And I didn't know how to do that. Um, and I felt I felt really like I was failing the company and I was failing myself because silo work is just not what I do well. I need collaborative, um, creative um, experiences in order to thrive. Um, mm. So I've just been trying to work that out and what really is, um, and what's really, you know, going to make me tick, going to make me thrive, but also what's going to put food on the table. Because that's the other thing, you know, we've I've had a safety security net, a financial security net and working internationally is, you know, great money. And then you come home and I, you really need to work out what's that security net because it's gone. Mm. So um, the business side of it, I think. I, I have I have struggled with. I'm not. Um, and I think it's not that I can't be a business person. I find it really boring. <laughs> um, can I tell you, it's much easier, though, to set up a business in the UK than it is anywhere else. <laughs> well, that's good. They let you do quite a lot of stuff here, actually, I've noticed. And I was re I'm really quite concerned. I'm always doing something that's not very compliant. Uh, but actually, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, but I just, 
I just miss the people. I would yeah. really, whenever I think, how can I do this better? It's always that I'm going to employ someone to do this bit and I don't have enough money to employ someone to do that bit. So I have to yeah. keep doing it myself. <laughs> but hopefully one day, I suppose. Karen, you're muted, my love. Sorry, here we go. I love saying that to other people, by yes. the way, because it happens to me <laughs> all the so time. It feels so good. So how did you land on your business now? Okay. You were talking about being so isolated. what happened was I think one of the things that I'm doing that I really love doing, I started looking at what what do I love to do that I know I'm really good at? And that is that collaboration piece, the communication pieces. So I started to reach out and just talk to a lot of people in my professional learning network. I started to talk to a lot of people who I trust who um, and I just wanted to really reach out to lots of different people and say, right, what are you doing? And it and then people, friends of mine would come to me also and say, what are you up to? I'm thinking of leaving education. I'm moving. I'm transitioning. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And so um, I started with a little community of people that would just talk. So we've got Nikki, Vicky and I, and we're just <laughs> starting to dip our toes into what can we do together? that really maximizes and utilizes the strengths of each other. Um, but also because I think we need each other in it to push ourselves forward. We need each other to um, shine a light on our own, on our own special qualities, but also to sort of lift each other up at those moments where we're really struggling. Mm. Um, and so that's been, what's, what's been really powerful is just being able to have these people that we can talk to and share, have common goals. I don't know whether what our first idea of what we wanted to do, which was sort of start tutoring and looking at how we can support students and families working within a space where learning is is really difficult um, and whether actually that's going to be where we end up. I actually think that the three of us have so many different things that actually are collaborative of just getting working together and sharing that business ex expertise and sharing those the strengths that we have together and lifting each other up is actually the, where we may end up do, being. But at the moment, we're just in a kind of a messy phase, not uncomfortably messy, actually, just nicely, <laughs> just don't have all the dots aligned. No, but I, th I, th I see it has when, when you've got these three experts coming in and we're full of ideas and and you want to share everything it is a mess because you and you don't want to say no I don't want to do this it's more like I want to do everything but how can I fit everything in, in yeah. this time frame and, and yeah. I think, no, no no go on I was interrupting you sorry no no I'll be it's it's just difficult and it, that's where it becomes messy yeah so I think you guys are doing such a wonderful job. Yeah. I think we need to be really, I think we really need to honour ourselves. So, for instance, Nikki, she um, has been a teacher in UWC in Singapore for the last 10 years. She is head of high school art. Uh, she's incredible at sketchnoting. She's doing her master's in creativity and learning um, and technology. And she's Phenomenal of being able to communicate and mentor students um, who are struggling to um, going through. I think when you get into that sort of like high school phase, balancing mm. 
the workload, balancing and, and working out how to be a really great learner is very difficult. I'm 43 and I am super, I'm constantly trying to learn new techniques at how to learn well. Um, and Nikki's really good at that, um, at just looking at and working with students to give them ideas of how they can just memorize facts, for instance, how they can look at recall, how they can um, identify what their next steps are, or map their out their journey, that kind of stuff. So she's brilliant at it. And then I'm really great at technology and have a whole other area of stuff going on, you know. So I think all of us need to kind of be really aware of what we're really good at um, mm. and say no. Yeah. Mm. To yeah. things. Because I think what's happened is that you get yourself, you you kind of go in, you're so grateful people are offering you projects and that doesn't happen very often. So when things do come along, um, it's really hard to get work here. So when things come along, you're like, oh, I have to take it. But that might not necessarily be the best job for you. Yeah. Um, and so I think you really have to be really clear with yourself. What are you looking for? What niche am I in? And narrow down your niche so it's a really small and when you grow from that, when you're ready, you can then move out um, mm. to identifying different things that you want to build on, on your niche. So for me, I'm trying to work out what that tiny little niche is um, and, really, and really be really good at just sort of keeping to that, doing that really well, yeah. getting yeah. comfortable again. Yeah. So getting comfortable then... One of the questions I would like to ask you is what kind of advice would you give to other women out there who want to move out of their current role, uh, out of maybe face-to-face -face teaching out of the class and uh, into something new? What kind of advice would you give? I think uh, there are so many opportunities um, out there for educators to be doing other things other than education in the classroom. Um, at the moment, what I see is a lot of companies who really, uh, there's a lot of money. Uh, since COVID, there's a huge amount of money in education, tech companies yeah. specifically, whether they're a tech um, design company or whether they have a tool or whether they're a marketing company. Loads of companies have a lot of money put into tech into education and then there's the other side of it where there is also a massive movement um, within um, business to have learning and development based on education within their company hmm. and they need people who are really specialist in education so there's those two sides of it that I think are really booming at the moment so educators are really needed um, and it's really having, getting us to change our mindset from what we do in the classroom and realize what that, what that looks like outside of the classroom. Um, so I think there is ju there's just so many opportunities out there. One of the things I think is, is looking at your CV, a really good starting point is looking at your CV and having your CV so is that you've got a copy of your CV that's, look, that's really ready for classroom work for schools and maybe also then doing another style of CV that's looking at designed purposefully for another role, whether that's in um, L&D work or whether that's in tech, ed tech. Um, ed tech's a great place. There are so many um, companies mm. that need that educational piece translated for them. 
they don't talk the talk of education authentically and they don't understand it and they know, they're starting to realize it they don't realize it completely and some do um but the ones that realize it are, are needing educators to be able to talk to their clients because they're not doing it successfully one thing uh, there you may have a content area expert and then you have someone who can break that down and actually yeah. into bite size that, pieces. Yeah. And why that's important to an educator or an educational market, you know? Mm -hmm. And also looking at that, what they have and saying, right, that would work really well within an educational setting um, yeah. because of this, this, and this, you know? Or if you want to sell that to your tech educational um, clients, this is the thing, this is what they're going to be thinking about. This is the language mm -hmm. you need to be using. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the kind of, of an area where I fell into recently, um, which I didn't expect to fall into, actually. So I got asked to um, create a podcast. This is one of my very uncomfortable phases that I'm in. I'm doing something completely new. I'm writing a podcast for um, a company called EdUTech Global, who do lots of um, conferences in Asia, actually, and Australia. And they're moving into the European. They've got a conference in Amsterdam in October. And I have had the opportunity to uh, meet the most incredible people uh, who are going to be speaking in, in, um, at their conference. And so I've, although it's really uncomfortable for me, I have just, there's one um, principal who's in Denmark, who's got a school called Ulstel. 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 This, I'm trying practicing saying it. Ulstel. Ulstel. He said I did it really well yesterday. Ulstel. <laughs> Ulstel. Gymnasium. And all the walls are made of glass. Oh. Yeah. And so they have all the technology, every, all their curriculum, and all their learning is online. And that's their safety net. And then they have all their classrooms are made of their traditional classrooms where you sit together in a classroom, you're learning online, but also face to face with the teacher. But it's all made of glass because they believe that um, you need to be inspired by seeing people learning. Over the course of the three years, it's a high school. The kids then go into wider, bigger spaces so that they start to learn in bigger groups, smaller groups, um, wow. more free spaces. It's really interesting. That's exciting. Yeah. And, you know, it reminds me of the one-room schoolhouse in, in when communities were so small, they only had a few, so they just grouped everyone together. Yeah, exactly. A lot of, um, we, there's, I mean, especially when I was training in England, I remember doing work experience at a really tiny primary school near Northampton, and they had two classes a key stage one class and a key stage two class. And they had many age groups because they only had, it was a small primary school. Hmm. How exciting. And, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's great to see things come back because they're useful now, but uh, you know, there's really nothing new under the sun. I think, you know, it's just valuable for a certain time or a certain place. <laughs> oh, Levi's joining us. Oh, Sandy, you're muted. <laughs> I said he's very tired. 
Oh, <laughs> Levi, I love it. When I get to talk to people on um, most days I'm, I'm with my role at home. And so I had a great, uh, this person I was chatting to them the other day, and then suddenly they had a four-month golden retriever pop their head up from under the table. <laughs> it's like living the dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the dog's life. <laughs> my dog likes to kind of like, if I'm in my mum's house right now, because I didn't want to do this at my house, because my dog is really hasn't got very good kind of like online etiquette. <laughs> she, she really likes to steal the attention and like roll around and play and <laughs> oh. Levi's a good dog a good cuddler okay, it's so kind of like a, a, a living scarf <laughs> oh yeah oh that's a good cuddle look at that Levi <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. We so your creativity and learning site. We, yeah. I've been putting it on there. Wh when would I use that? What? How do I? Not really what, for educators. For? Actually, it's really for parents right. who want to contact us, and we've had very little traction on it. Which I, I will admit, one of the things that I think we're we're kind of changing is really what what do we want to do? Um, we started off with an idea. It didn't work. I've had lots of conversations with educators online who are also transitioning out of the classroom. So I'm trying to build a little group of people who want to talk to each other, who want to learn from each other and kind of work out how to move forward. And so I've had quite a few chats recently with people. And one of the problems that we have is finding clients. So you go in and start your own business, you start up off, you haven't got a client yet. Uh, especially yeah. if you're moving from international education you're going home not only are you changing a role but you're also sort of you don't know anyone in your community so it's very difficult facebook groups for instance um i would always say well you just go and you can find parents on facebook or whatever you can't advertise for professional services on most facebook groups and if you can mm. normally they say one post a month or one post every three months or something like that so it's really difficult to find. They say that the best way of getting um, any clients is through word of, word of mouth. Um, so you've really, really got a vicious circle at the beginning because you haven't got anything going on. So it's trying to really bang on everyone's door and make those phone calls, speak to people, um, email people, reach out to people, because word of mouth is really the best way that you're going to get it, get people through the door. But also being able to um, share your messages and in order to share your messages you need to know what messages you're sharing uh, so I've had to do a lot of leveling up on really what marketing looks like what's a marketing message what what do I want to be sharing what what's the idea of um, what do I need to be putting out there what's the quickest way of getting into somebody's head um, and what's my why of doing this and you know so yeah. that's kind of I'm really early stages and I think that one of the things that I think that brings me in more money than anything else is actually working with people with technology. So I do a lot of technology coaching um, and I work with educators and I work with parents and I work with people in around the world, mostly actually not in England, globally, Bangkok and China and all over the place, um, just upskilling people in technology. Um, so, yeah. so you're taking your experiences that yeah. you've been doing for years 
and yeah. you are providing that service yeah. for people. Yes, and that wasn't where I thought I would be. Hmm. I thought that I was, I did think I was going to do coaching. I did think I was going to work with ed tech companies, but I wasn't quite sure what it would look like. I actually thought I would do way more tutoring. But tutoring in the UK is really hard. You can't find clients very easily. There isn't the money in it. People are really not are struggling financially with all the price hikes. Um, so it became very quickly obvious that it was so much of a struggle that was yeah. it going to be worth it. Um, so now actually what I'm doing is I'm going behind the scenes to the people who want to do the tutoring or want to do all those little bases. And I'm upskilling them in the technology that they need in order to do what they need. So one of my clients is a wonderful friend of mine, actually. Um, and she is starting, she was an educator in Beijing for a very long time with me at WAB. She's come back to England and she is going to start up a really small business. And she wants to teach work with parents. So she's starting an idea of how she can grow a business, designing experiences for parents to support their kids at home with learning. Um, and so she said that her barrier for her is, what's a funnel? What's, uh, how do I get my, uh, how do I email people? Uh, how do I collect um, email addresses? How do I collect money? So she needs those technology skills in order to get her business set up. So that's where I'm working with her. Hmm. So just loads and loads of different, kind of different things, you know. Mm -hmm. I've got another client who I'm working with really, who's uh, decided to, she's in Bangkok and she's decided to leave her job after a, quite a few years. And she wants to know what she's going to be doing next year. So we've just worked for six weeks, one session every week, uh, one session a week on what tools are out there that can support her in building her own le uh, professional learning network online. So she's worked at looking at how she can utilize LinkedIn, how she can utilize Twitter, which are so different. I mean, LinkedIn, I yeah. used to think it was an, honestly a business tool, which I didn't know anything about. LinkedIn for me is my number one way of getting business or getting a conversation to someone who might want to get me business. Hmm. people are really good at responding if you have a message that you want to share as an educator and you share it on linkedin you will get phenomenally more impact more responses and more engagement than you would if you were on twitter but i love twitter i love twitter for the community the educational community that's there yeah Uh, it's amazing what tools are out there. Yeah. But what you've also just shown, um, given us is another strength of yours. You're a coach. Yes, <laughs> I am. I am. I have just signed up to work with the association. So as a professional body in the UK, we have association for coaching. So I've just signed up with them. Um, I'm working with coaches. Um, so I'm hoping to really push that as something, as it is one of my strengths. And it's something that I have, dabble dabbled in for quite a long time I started coaching at Cambridge University I did a kind of diploma in coaching hmm. back in when uh when I did my Google Innovator actually started it then and I never finished it because I got divorced I wasn't quite in a frame of mind to be mm. a coach at that point because I was fragile and emotional and just mentally 
um, not yeah. in the right space to be supporting other people. And I was at capacity. Um, so it's taken me quite a few years to get back into it. But this year, last year, actually, I went, right, I'm ready. I'm ready yeah, to do it. Good. And so my capacity is lowered. I have space and I'm ready for other people. It's, it's amazing how it, it, you know when you're ready. There's just kind of a piece that's inside and you know, okay, I'm Yeah, ready. you have to be I'm honest to with yourself this. when you're not. Yep. And that's really hard. Yeah. yeah. You can't do it to please someone else. You have to do it because you're ready. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I could just do this all day long. Thank you so much, Nikki, for taking your time and joining both of us. Um, we are very honoured that you've come to uh, come onto our podcast and our finale podcast. I am so grateful. You guys do such a great job. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much. Um, we thank all our listeners out there too. Don't forget to follow us on uh, on Twitter at chat WSK1. You can find us and sus- subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Google, and Apple to hear more about what's going on in education. Uh, we are always looking for guests, so I'm assuming in our podcast channels you're going to find some links as well yep. to come and join us. Uh, yes. but- Nikki, thank you so much. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I've had such a lovely time. Yeah, I'm going to come visit you. Ah, yeah, we're going to see each other, yeah? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nikki. Thank Mm -hmm. you.